guests with us and here for the first time or a bunch of times or whatever, we, we want you to know that this is your home here too, you know? Um, we just want to really invite you to feel welcome and just relax here in this place. This is the family of God together, and we're just thrilled that you're here. So enjoy that. Settle into it. Those are my notes from last week, <clears throat> which would have been awkward to launch into. <laughs> Esther was good, yeah. Friday, I had a really cool thing happen. Uh, I was up volunteering at the uh, the uh, county, the chainless race. It's been a long time. And uh, I was up there, and I was talking to some friends. And this woman, she said, uh, she's a professional here in town. She goes, you know, Scott, I'm not a church goer. And she said it a couple times, just to be sure. And I was like, well, I know, because I've never seen you at church. <laughs> I know who's here. And, uh, and she uh, she goes, but oh, be joyful. The church is like in the community and a part of the community. It's like, it, it's not, there are not walls. She was essentially saying there's not walls between the church and the people. And I was like, I wanted to like just give her this big, weird, real mushy, gross hug, you know, because that's what I wanted to hear so much, you know, not necessarily said to me, I just like to overhear it. But when she said, I was like, yes, you know, that's what this church is about in this community. As far as just living out the gospel, we can't go do missions and stuff somewhere else if we can't love the people that are walking by here, you know, and wondering what this sound is that's coming out, you know. Uh, So anyway, just thank you for being that in the community. And if you're a guest here, that matters. You know, you have an impact in this place. These locals need to know that you love and care for them and are Christ to them. Tip them big and hug them and stuff like that. (laughs) They're super friendly. Just bring, you know, bring it in. They'll do it. They'll do it. Anyway, that was really exciting to me. Uh, we are in a, a series right now that uh, we're calling It's Your Call. Uh, and the, the reason for that is we're looking at calling, this idea of calling through the scripture. And it's just this thing that's woven in there about how God has sometimes a very specific path for someone he calls them into. He says, this is what I need you to do. And other times it's very general. Uh, we're looking at six men and six women. We're on uh, our third man right now. We're going to look at Gideon today. So if you want to flip back to Judges, I'll uh, give you a few minutes to try to find that. But uh, yeah, we're going to look at this guy. Gideon gets a really specific call. God has very specific things for Gideon to do. But, and most of us aren't going to be called to like fight a battle and save our people, mostly. Uh, but the things that he learns and how God brings him through this process are things that we can take from and learn from for us personally. And, and that's where I want to get with you today. Uh, what I want to ask you to do is to, as we're just looking through this, as you're reading, as you're thinking and praying right now, uh, the point is to say, God, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you need or using me for? What, are you, what work are you doing in my life and how can I join into that? How can I join you in what you're doing in my life? Okay, And throughout the scripture, the fact that God is working in everyone's life, whether they know him or not, is absolutely evident and, and spoken of through the whole way. So it doesn't matter where you are in here spiritually. If you're in here, God is working in your life. Okay, we'll just say that for this group. And God's working in the lives of the people you're going to touch this afternoon when you're in town. So... Uh, 
stop for a second and take a deep breath and relax. And we're going to say to God, how can we join with you in what you're doing? How can I join with you, God, in what you're doing in my life? And three things about this we're going to see in Gideon. Uh, tear and seek and trust. These are the three words we're going to hit. Tear and seek and trust. Three points. So let me give you a, a little bit of setting before we read from the passage. Uh, at the time of the Judges, things are really bad. This is the book of Judges, and Judges is this story of all these different people that God raised up, and sometimes were great, and sometimes were terrible at leading the Israelite people. So it's after the time of Moses, they're in the land, they're, uh, they have had times of prosperity and times of just horrible things. This is one of those bad times. And, and what's happened is the people have followed another God. They have left behind their first love, their, the God who brought them out of Egypt. And so there's, idol, there's these, these idols and things built to these other gods, particularly this one called Baal. You've probably heard about that God before. But uh, this is this, this whole cultural shift. Well, they have neighbors that are pretty ruthless people. And in, at this time, there's a group called the Midianites, okay? Midianites were uh, nomadic, and so they moved around all over the place. And they would come in. They were much more powerful than the Israelites at this time. So they would come in, and whenever Israel was a little bit prosperous or they had a, a harvest or something like that, Midianites would come in. It was like the Wild West, right up on their horses, although I don't know that they had horses, and say, hey, give us your stuff. You know, it's just like the old cabin in the, in the, you know, in the westerns you watch. You know, they just come up and take their stuff. This is how it's going. And so it's vi- the, the, the passage says that Israel was brought low. And I, I think it s- describes that pretty well. You know, they're just brought low by what's happening. So in steps this guy, Gideon. And this is where we pick him up. We're going to be in Judges 6. And Gideon... When the, scene, when the action starts with him, he's, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Typically, you know, they'd thresh wheat out on a, a big stone or a slab because the, the breeze would come and blow the chaff away, right? All of you that have threshed wheat, you know, yourself. So that's, that's what should be happening. But he's actually in the wine press. And the wine press is a much smaller area, and it's down low so that he can be hidden from the Midianites. Right? So he's basically hiding out you know, uh, taking this weed and, and doing the next bit of the process with it, and a, uh, a supernatural thing happens to Gideon. And that's where we'll pick it up. Let's, let's look at this. Judges 6, 12. And the angel of the, Lord, of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That must have sounded kind of funny as he's like hiding in the, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was a joke or for real. Lord is with you, O mighty man, hiding in the wine press. <laughs> and Gideon said, Please, sir, if, it is, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did the Lord not bring us up from or did did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And I, and I have to confess, when I, when I read that, Sometimes I feel that way when I look at the world, even just around me. But even going out, I'm like, what is happening? Where is God? It's not a new question, okay? And the Lord turned to him, this angel turns to him, it's a representation of God, and said, go in this might of yours, in this might of yours, and save Israel from the hand of Midian. 
do, I, do not I send you? So Gideon receives this calling to rescue his people from, from the Midianites. This is what Gideon receives this very specific thing. And of course, he's, he's like, this is, this is never going to, it's never going to come about. I mean, I'm, I'm weak. And he goes on to describe why he couldn't, almost like Moses, this, this couldn't be me. I couldn't do this for you. Uh, Gideon's calling is different than the calling that, that we're going to have, right? He, he has a very specific leadership of his nation that he's being called into. But y'all, from a spiritual perspective and a life perspective, his problem is the same one that we have. And I think that the, the process that God takes him through is one that we can apply to ourselves. And, and so this is where we get into this idea of, of tear and seek. Um, we'll, we'll just start with that, w- with tearing. What, what he tells him to do specific, specifically, God comes back and says, Gideon, I want you to tear down the, the big idol in your town. This is the first thing he asked him to specifically do. And this is what I want to ask you to do, is to consider tearing down the idols that you have, tearing down the idols that we have in our lives. So there's this kind of parallel. Look, uh, you remember the first commandment says, there will be no gods before me, right? But Israel has just gone right over that. And they, they built these big idols. In the West, we don't really have idols like that. We have more personal idols, uh, look what he says in verse 27, what it says. It says, so Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and of the men of his town to do it by day, he did it by night. Uh, let's just talk for a second about our idols. Our idols aren't necessarily built on hills. I made a little list of some things that I think are, are our idols. And you, can make your, you can add to this. Here's one. Uh, if you live here, independence. And here's one, uh, control. Comfort. Achievement. Physical ability. Boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, sex, a child a career, appearance, wealth, influence. Just a short list of things. What we have to do, I think, as we're attempting to join with God in this, in this calling to, to be a part of what he's doing in our lives, is we have to identify those idols. And say th- we have to call them out and say, this is what they are. Idols are things that get in between us and God, okay? And did you notice it said he got 10 men together to go tear it down? When I ask you to think about idols and what the idols are that you're dealing with, or perhaps to um, even engage in finding what God is, is uh, doing in your life and join with him, you probably didn't first think, hey, let me get several people involved with me in that, and let's do that together. Was that the first thing that came to your mind? No. But he got 10 guys around him to go help him do this thing. That's how the body of Christ works. We do things together. And so one of the first things you can do to start tearing down the idols that you have is get some people around you. I don't care if they're believers or not, but both. And say, what are those idols in my life? Speak truthfully to me. Think about that for a second. They might say things you don't want to hear. 
but do you just want to stay where you are? So first, he gets 10 guys around him, and, and we can do the same thing. But the other thing is says he's, a, he's scared to do it. He's afraid, so he does it at night, right? When we go in and take out the things that are idols in our life, it is going to be hard and scary, no matter what they are. You know, because idols for us are things that are like, they're like uh, peers in a foundation. You know, we start, at, we kind of replace God, the fa- right, the foundation, the cornerstone, and we start putting down appearance and wealth and, you know, success and achievement, all this stuff. And pretty soon, we're like balancing our life on all of this stuff, right? And we kind of take in, you know, Christ is like, oh yeah, over there, Sunday morning, right? And so when you start to take those idols out, you know, they're like that for us, right? They're not all just one big thing. When you start to take those idols out, then things can fall apart. The things that we built, those, the, the structures we built upon those can fall apart. And so it, it's fearful to go into this, to do this. And that's another reason it's good to have people around you when we attack the idols that are, the things that are getting between us and God. There's going to be fear. But you might have also noticed, or I don't know if I read this part, but if I didn't, uh, God says to him, he says, once you tear this thing down, I want you to build an altar to me on that place. Right? So when that other thing is gone, that thing that has been replacing me, let's be sure and put Jesus in that spot. Okay? And then, then we can build our, our lives on that foundation. But there's just a, you know, there's a tearing, there's a, a hurtful and a hard thing that happens in between. But I think God's calling, there's, there's no doubt in my mind, God is calling us to move towards him in that way and to join with him. And that's part of it is tearing down idols in our lives. Okay, so that's the first one, tear down the idols. The second one is to really seek God, to really seek him. Uh, if, you, if you're here on vacation or just part of the year, whatever you're here for, You've come, and part of what I bet you want to do is connect with God. You know, you think, we all think, when I get up there, it'll be easier. Well, I want to encourage you to really do that. And if you live here, I know that you came here because you thought that would happen. And then we get busy and we forget to, to do this is This is a place where you can take the time, make the time to really seek Him and to, get, to just talk to God and say, look, what is it that you are doing in my life? Let me just write down the things that, here's what the 10 people said to me, the three people that I was able to, what are you doing? How can I join with you in this stuff? What did they say is, is a part of who I am and how you might could use me and what can I join with you? You know, get alone with him and start that process. But, but the thing is, to do that, we have to listen to him. You have to take time to listen. If you never, and I never take time to listen to God, are we going to hear from him very easily, Right? I, I was, uh, like I said, I was up at the top of the chainless race, and my job was to actually send them down, okay? And they do the best kind of uh, bike race start, a Le Mans start, which is where you run from the start line to your bike. It's hilarious, especially when people are dressed up in boxes or n- almost nothing or whatever, and they're running. So um, they're all up on the hill uh, at the top of the pass. You know exactly what I'm talking about, the top of Kebler. And uh, Than Acuff, if you know him, he's a funny person, and he's, he's talking to the microphone, telling what to do. Put your bikes out. The road's closed now. So they're putting them all out, and they're still all out there, 350 people just drinking beer and just having a great time and talking and all that. And uh, I'm down about 50 yards down on the Paonia side, 
the lesser side. And uh, no, I'm kidding. And, uh, and, I, and, I'm, and there's a start line down there. And Sam is up there. I can see him. And he's going, okay, there's 10 minutes to start. Everybody down here. And he's, a, he's kind of above them on the hill. All right, everyone down to the start line. We're going to start in five minutes. Nothing. I mean, they're just milling around. Like nothing, and there's, I'm down at the line, and there's three people. <laughs> of 350 people. Three people are standing at the line. And I'm like, you guys aren't going to win because you're le- dead last. You're far, you know. But finally... They hear, and they come down, and they, and they get in line. It took, I mean, it took the very last second. And by the way, if you ever do that job, stand to the side when you say go. Because I had to run with them. I almost got killed. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. It was frightening, really. But um, uh, the thing I noticed when he's talking to them, like, here he is with a microphone right here. It's just like this. Okay, everyone, go here. And every, no one, nothing, just blank, you know, just walking around. And I thought, this is what it's like with God, you know? We're just milling around. He's like, look at what I have done. You came here to see me. You, you know, and we're just, you know, and there's three of us are on the line. And so finally, finally all came, and, and, it, and it worked out great. But there's, there's this thing that happens where we just don't listen to God. We have to actually orient ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to listen to you for a minute in the midst of my fun and all the stuff I'm doing, Right? But here's another piece of that. It, when it's really uh, one of the amazing things that God does in this, and, and Gideon does, is there's a, a chance that Gideon has actually to, um, to confirm this with God. And, and from, if you ever went to Sunday school in your life, you've seen this story, you know, the, the fleeces, right? Where he, this is, this is that guy. You know, he lays out the fleece, says, God, if you really want me to lead my country, then make this fleece wet tonight and the, dry, the ground dry does and then he says well could you do that again the other way just confirm so he does and so he, he lays out and, and god of course confirms that and uh at the risk of telling too many stories one thing i haven't talked about here since i came was something that happened to claire and i before we moved around this uh when um when we were talking about moving to crested butte and we were trying to listen to god and say this is what you want us to do uh jim suggested he said you know if this is a big deal to do. You should ask God to show you specifically that you should come, like you should. And I was like, well, I've not really ever done that, you know, something like really specific. And he said, just do it, you know, just ask him. It's, it's biblical. So I, I wrote down a few things, and, and um, Claire wrote down a few things, and we prayed. We didn't talk about what they were. And then, uh, you know, the process that we decided to move uh, at some point, we are like, okay, we're going to do it. And we decided to rent our house because the market in Dallas is just not quite there yet. And so uh, we're cleaning up our house on this Saturday so that the, the last visit from this potential renter, they're going to come over and check it out. I get a call. A friend, a realtor says, hey, I've got some people that want to see your house. I'm like, well, it's not for sale. And they're like, well, they just want to see it. I said, I know they're not going to pay me enough. I'm just not even going to bother with it, so don't send them. And, and she said, well, they really want to see it. And I said, well, okay, it's clean. I guess they can come look at it. So they came over, looked at the house. And they called back later that afternoon and said, we want to buy your house. I'm like, forget it. We just dropped it right there. The market was just before the market took off, if you're from the Dallas area. So uh, we um, just went on about our business. On Monday, I get a call, not through my realtor, but directly from these people. They just went straight to me. They said, we want to meet with you right now. I said, well, I guess I'll meet you at lunch, because now I'm thinking they really want it, so I'm just going to give them a number. And so they came to my office. We sat down. 
He said, how much do you want for your house? And I, I said a number that was several tens of thousands more than the market in our neighborhood. And they said, okay. And I said, I don't want to pay any realtor costs or anything. Okay. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's how it went. And uh, I was like, you're ki- you know, so it worked out, right? We're, we signed. And then Claire comes to me that afternoon. She says, Scott, I want you to see what I wrote in January. It's March. She said, God, I don't want to stress you out and I don't want to challenge you or anything or ask too much. But if you, if you really want us to go, will you ha- let us sell our house without us having to put it on the market for m- much more than we can refuse? That's what she wrote. And so we, and I didn't know that, you know. And I was like, okay, thank you, Jim, for encouraging us to do that. The reason I tell you that really long story is that God is doing something. And you may, I've never done that before. I never had that experience. And, you know, he, he did that. So um, it's okay to confirm with God what, about what he's doing in your life. So let me encourage you. This is what he does and what we should do. Well, um, finally, last thing I want to say is that there's, once these things have happened, we kind of have seen what, what God's doing. We've torn down these idols. We're listening. Uh, we've confirmed with him a little bit about what he might be calling us to. Then the next step is really to trust and step out. And I'll, I'll tell this really briefly, but, you know, Gideon now is going to go and, and battle the Midianites who are in this valley. He's able to gather 30,000 or so people. Right? That's a lot of people. Except there's 130,000 of the other guys. So not so great. And listen to what God says. This is in Judges 7-2. Here's what God says. They're all gathered up, all 30,000 of them, and I guess they're camping, however they do it. This is a big campground, apparently. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So, Gideon, you know, you've only got like a fourth of the people that are out there or less, but that's too many. Now, that must have sounded a little, but Gideon is trusting God. So God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, hey, if you're scared, you can go home. So 20,000 people raise their hand and say, I'm scared, I'm going home. Now, if you're a leader and 20,000 people back out of your 30, you're getting worried. Well, and as you know, probably know the story, it gets down to 300. There can be no question that God is doing this thing. But, but Gideon is willing to trust. He's, he's gone through this process, and now he's trusting God. And that's part of what we have to do, y'all. When you knock out the idols, and when you start to build your foundation on Jesus, you're going to have to trust and go with it. You're just going to have to. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to trust him. And that's scary. But when that happens, it shows that God was in control. Because, y- y'all, it's his battle. It's what he's doing with you, not you. It's what he's doing. And when he's doing something, it can be pretty magnificent without our help. So this next step is to move from trust. So with 300 people, he goes in and and he uses this technique of surprise and stuff and a change of the guard and there's all this commotion and they're camping in the middle of the night and they scatter. They don't even have to to hurt them necessarily because they can't really. They just scatter and run and hurt each other in the process. It was God's battle. 
What I want to do is just, I want to close, and I want to pray that, that each of us, wherever, you know, this concept, wherever you can identify with Gideon connects with you and, and these things that he went through. Um, I just want to ask you to focus on that for a moment. And then this week, take some time to retreat and listen to God. Listen to him for a moment. And then trust him with where he leads you and where he calls you and, and the things that he's doing in your life. So will you, will you bow with me? God, uh, I come to you with my friends and a family here uh, in this little room. Lord, we, uh, we, like Gideon, say, where are you? What's happened? And what's going on? And, and God, I think it was obvious for Gideon, he, he was missing it, but that this idol was, had replaced you for the people and for himself. And you called him out of that, God. I pray that we would uh, be willing in the same way to, to sit back and rest in this place and listen and as we engage in our regular life again, Lord, that it would be in such a way that we have a, uh, a sense of calling from you, a purpose that is uh, uh, engaged with what you are doing in our lives. And we, we thank you that you care about individual people like that. Certainly, Lord, enough to send your son. So, God, we just uh, we humble ourselves before you together. Thank you for a beautiful morning. And Lord, may we bring honor to you the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys have a great week. We'll see you later.